Maybe it's a classic or maybe a flop. Has Katie seen it? She probably has not. She'll sit down and watch it if it's good or it's bad. Hey, have you seen this? No, Katie hasn't seen that. Hi, I'm Katie, and if I had a nickel for every time someone said to me, wait, you haven't seen this movie? Oh my god, you need to see this movie. I'd be very rich. So this is my podcast, where I finally watch those movies you all have told me I need to see, and I tell you what I think. As per usual, spoilers are a factor of listening to Katie Hasn't Seen That. And hopefully, it, I mean, we've done how many episodes now? There's a lot. I mean, by a lot, that's probably not that subjective. To me, there's a lot. It's been nine episodes. I counted. Okay, I mean, it feels like a lot more. But when you're watching these movies that sometimes feel like marathons, it can feel a lot longer than just, you know, nine episodes. But the podcast has been going for four months now, which... I'm excited about. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being here. And we got a new movie today. It's The Big Lebowski. I mean, The Big Lebowski is kind of settled deep into pop culture. The dudes in this. Jeff, not Jeff Daniels. Is it? No, it's not Jeff Daniels. Hold on. Jeff Bridges. Excuse me. Jeff Daniels. Fun fact. Jeff Daniels and I share a birthday. So I've always had a very soft spot in my heart for Jeff Daniels because we're birthday buddies. So if you're out there listening ever, Jeff Daniels, let's share some birthday cake at some point. I'm so sorry I got you confused with Jeff Bridges, but also it looks like the main character's name is also Jeff. Jeff the Dude Lebowski. I feel like this is a stoner movie. This one, okay, if you listen to my controversial Pulp Fiction episode, this one's also listed as a comedy slash crime. I'm very skeptical about the comedy and the crime in this, but I'm I'm ready for what it might be. I didn't know that this is a crime movie. I know there's bowling in it. There's a guy named the dude who wears like flip-flops and he's got baggy shirts. And I think Jeff, not Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God. Are there just all the Jeffs in here? John Goodman is in this and he has like sunglasses on. I think he smokes a cigar. I There's like a picture of him holding a bowling ball somewhere. But I, I'm not really aware of what crime could be committed in this bowling alley, but I have a feeling I'm going to find out. Steve Buscemi is in this, and I'm going to say it. Steve Buscemi gets a bad rap for being ugly. And I think that's so mean. Can I just say that right now? Like, how, how does that make Steve Buscemi feel? That he's been, like, typecast as the ugly guy? Because, oh, you know what? I'll say it. He's not ugly. And if you look at any young pictures of him, he looks like... Hold on, I gotta look it up. He looks like he looks like Bill Skarsgård, the guy who plays Pennywise the Clown in the new It movies. So if you look up a young picture of Steve Buscemi and put it next to Bill Skarsgård, dude, cut Buscemi a break. I'm just saying, like, I've noticed that he's always t- constantly typecast as, like, the ugly guy. I mean, if you've seen Adam Sandler movies, literally always the ugly guy. Um, You know what, Steve Buscemi? I see you. And I'm going to just say it. I think you're handsome and you should own that. I just went on a major tangent. Where was I? Okay. This was directed by the Coen brothers. Oh boy. Um, I don't really like the Coen brothers. I've seen a bit of their movies. Let me list off the ones I have seen. I've seen Fargo. I've seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I've seen No Country for Old Men. I've seen Burn After Reading. And that might be all of them. You know, I, ugh, I wanted to like Fargo, but it really wasn't that good. Fargo was kind of like, yeah, it's a slow burn. But literally, the only moment you're living up for 
or living up to in that movie is when the guy gets put through the wood chopper. Chipper? Wood chipper? Otherwise, it's just not really that interesting. And you just, so people talk like this, you know, and like that's, you know, what Fargo's known for. I've heard the TV show's great. I just, you know, Coen Brothers, I, I'm okay. Like, I don't, I don't love them. But I feel like they are also one of those director duos that people are like, oh my God, the Coen Brothers, they're the best. Okay. But why? What about the Coen Brothers makes them so good? I, I, I just, I haven't found that understanding. Like, oh brother, where art thou? Mm, it's okay. Out of all the ones I've seen by them, that's by far the one that I would put at the top of the list, but that's not even saying a lot. So what I know about The Big Lebowski, the dude's in it, there's bowling, John Goodman's in it, and I freaking love John Goodman. And I don't know why, I might just be assuming this, I feel like it's a stoner movie. Is this a stoner movie? I don't know, I guess that's just something I've always associated with it, is that, oh, the dude's always in his, like, hippie gear with his flip-flops, or his Tevas, or his... What's that one pair of flip-flops set? <sighs> Birkenstocks. And I just kind of have always associated that. So I, I'm curious what this story will actually end up being compared to what I've thought of it being in my head. This movie is an hour and 59 minutes long. It's a little bit shorter. You know, I'll give the Coen brothers that. It's not two and a half hours long. So thank you, Coen brothers, for, for giving me that gift. Also, didn't the Coen brothers direct like a comedy movie with the conjoined twins? Oh, no. Okay. I, I was thinking of the movie Stuck on You, and that's by the Farley Brothers, and that's a very different uh, set of directors. So don't mind me. I'm moving along. Uh, but yeah, definitely definitely not uh, the movie starring Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear as conjoined twins. Uh, the Farley Brothers are, in fact, not the Coen Brothers. Just thought I would clarify. But looking at this right now, The Big Lebowski has an 8.1 out of 10 on Internet Movie Database, 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 71% on Metacritic. That's pretty darn high. And then Google users, 88% like this movie. Hmm. This is also what appears to be a very well-loved movie. Well-loved and well-liked. So I guess we're going to see what happens. I guess I'm going to go shine up my bowling ball, maybe make some popcorn, more likely going to eat a bowl of ice cream and watch The Big Lebowski, and I will get back with you all after I watch this. The Big Lebowski. Also, has anyone ever noticed that The Big Lebowski also sounds like Mike Wazowski from Monsters Incorporated? Monsters Inc? Is Monsters Incorporated the more official name of the movie or should I only call it Monsters Inc? That might be a problem to solve for another day. And I have seen Monsters Inc and I've seen Monsters University as well. Or is it Monsters U? Oh my God, Pixar, you're killing me. I don't know the correct way to say your movies, but I digress. Oh, here's the thing. When I first started this movie, it is written by the Coen brothers, but there was only one director credit. So is this not a co-, co I can't even say their name. So it said it was just directed by Joel Cohen. I think they both wrote it. Yes, they both wrote it, but only Joel Cohen was the director. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it's still a Coen Brothers movie because they wrote it together, but only one of them directed it. I actually kind of thought about that. Like directing something with your sibling, wouldn't they bicker? Wouldn't they be like, no, it would look better this way. Nuh-uh, this way. So maybe that's why only Joel directed this. 
I just thought that was interesting because the whole time, every time I think of a Coen Brothers film, I'm like, they both co-directed it, which I think is possible. It's probably easy. It probably helps, honestly. It's not just you dealing with the movie. I just thought that was interesting because in my head this entire time, I was like, they both directed this, but nah, not the case. First and foremost, I love Jeff Bridges's Bridges's? How do you say that plurally? I love Jeff Bridges and I love his voice. Honestly, he was the perfect person to play the dude and he did an excellent job executing the role of the dude. I have to say, each character that we met along the way was quirky and wonderful and I kind of loved that about this movie. It was weird, but it was a, it was kind of weird in the way that I like because in some ways I feel like this is in the similar vein of Pulp Fiction, but they did it a lot better if that makes sense. And I'm gonna just say it. I know I talked about this in the intro. Steve Buscemi looks like an older Bill Skarsgård, who is a very handsome man as well. And I'm just gonna say it. He just looked, I mean, I don't know why Steve Buscemi gets such a bad rap, but he played Donnie in this. And I, I remembered like how much I love Steve Buscemi. He's so good in comedic roles and just in general. I honestly think my favorite character was John Goodman's character, Walter. Walter reminds me of somebody I know in real life and so the entire time I just kind of enjoyed watching this character and the complete overconfidence and rambling stories and just in general misguided but trying to have the best intentions. I feel like maybe not the best intentions. Walter was a gem and also a hindrance for anybody's life. The whole narrator bit was a little bit weird to me. I enjoy Sam Elliott as an actor, but it just felt kind of out of place. So I could have done without the narrator, AKA the stranger bit at the beginning and the end, but you know, I'm not really that mad at it. And we got to see his glorious mustache. So that's something. But this movie just had like people popping up everywhere. You're like, hey, I know who that is. And I enjoyed the fast paced flow of this movie. I never really felt bored. There's a lot of times I watch movies and I'm like, oh, there's like a lull here. I'm bored. I just felt like there's so many interesting avenues and it was never quite so serious that I felt stressed out by this movie. It was just more of like the whole time I just kind of went, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And just the casual crime. If there's a way to describe this movie, it's just like casual crime. And why why were people not more worried about things? I mean, it, it was a stressful situation to literally be accused. And all of this started by mistaken identity, literally, Jeff, the dude Lebowski, shared a name with a quote-unquote rich millionaire named Jeffrey Lebowski. And so criminals saying, hey, you owe us money, but got them confused. And then what literally started off this movie is one of the muscle men who comes to the dude's house pees on his rug. And it's a rug that tied the room together. And so his Friend Walter convinced him to go to this millionaire's house to say, hey, you need to pay me for this rug. And instead, it starts this whole rock slide of events of just getting mixed in with the wrong people, just not handling situations well with what might be very dangerous people. The millionaire Lebowski, his young wife, played by Tara Reid, of all people, I was like, is that Tara Reid? And it was, in fact, Tara Reid. He thought his wife, Bunny was owing people all over town money and was kidnapped. At the end, we find out she literally just went to Palm Springs to visit her friends and didn't tell her husband. Also, why are they not communicating? I mean, there are phones that exist in this movie. Phones are utilized a lot. It just seems like this was a lack of communication. 
it's so hard to just explain this movie in a couple sentences, but it's it's literally a casual crime movie centered around the dude, his two friends, Walter and Donnie, which we'll talk about Donnie later, and bowling as well. Bowling is a huge part of this. So when we first open up in this movie and we get to meet the characters of Walter, Donnie, and the dude interacting with each other, that was really enjoyable. I loved the way that John Goodman and Steve Buscemi and Jeff Bridges all interacted with each other. The flow of this movie was really awesome. It's hard to find movies that don't have like super boring parts. And I felt like, hey, I was entertained this whole way through. Walter is sometimes problematic, but I love Walter. He is angry. And I think he's got some temper issues that he needs to deal with, but he is funny as hell. And I really enjoyed the dynamics between these three characters specifically and how focused Walter is on league bowling and how bowling is like an adjacent story. It just has this interesting focus of B plot and A plot, but tying everything together. And I always appreciate when they tie everything together or a movie feels like, oh, it has cohesion. And I did feel like The Big Lebowski had cohesion. Donnie, who is played by Steve Buscemi, dies of a heart attack at the end because of a fight with some characters that were pretending to have kidnapped Bunny. They're called, they called them the Nihilists. And they're fighting in a parking lot. And it was a very entertaining fight. Um, also flee from the band, the Red Hot Chili Peppers played one of the Nihilists and he gets hit in the stomach with a bowling ball and is writhing around on the ground with his like butt hanging out. And um, I was like, that guy looks really familiar. And my husband, Mark was like, hey, that was flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. But Donnie has a heart attack. He was never attacked in the fight. He has a heart attack. And throughout this whole movie, Walter treats Donnie terribly, telling him to shut the up and just telling him to get himself out of the conversation because he doesn't know what's going on. And then Donnie has a heart attack and dies and they spread his ashes at the end, but they didn't want to pay for the urn. And by them, I mean Walter and the dude. So it seemed like Donnie didn't even have a family and they're standing off like a rock ledge by the ocean and Walter has Donnie's ashes in a Folgers can and like throws it into the wind and it blows all over the dude. And it was just interesting how this movie dealt with emotion. Like nothing ever felt super serious, which I think helped bring levity to a lot of the situations. And it was watching people fail so horribly at so many important situations that you just can't help but laugh and literally go, oh my God, what, oh, why? And I honestly enjoyed that experience. I actually laughed out loud at this movie. And I, w I won't lie, that's kind of hard to do. Like you can't make, movies don't make me laugh that much. And I actually had some lulls while I watched this. And I was like, hey, that was nice. I'll take that. Some of the moments that made me laugh were like the Malibu cop that arrests the dude after he's arrested at the porn tycoon's house party because he was drugged by the porn tycoon. I can't even explain this movie. Like, I just hope that you have seen this movie. And so while you're listening to this, you have some context of what this movie is about. But how aggressive the cop was about how much he's like, do not mess around in my beach town. You stay out of Malibu. It was just really funny because it's Malibu. You know, it's not like the mean streets anywhere. It's Malibu. There's also a part where the porn tycoon, when the dude is at his house, the porn tycoon gets a 
phone call and it looks like he's writing a note. So, so he's like, excuse me, after he writes the note and rips it off and leaves the room. So the dude gets up and does the whole pencil on paper trick to kind of see what the note prior was. And it was um, the porn tycoon just drawing a guy with a dick. And I literally, it's like, you don't expect that kind of stuff. This movie seems like, oh my God, it's going to be kind of an intense crime movie. And it never takes itself too seriously. And I think that's what made it fun. The dude is bad at crime. His friends don't help him. They actually make things worse for him. But the entire story just had me enraptured. And it all started with a case of mistaken identity. The muscle men realizing it was a case of mistaken identity. And the fact that they were trying to intimidate. So one of the muscle men peed on. Muscle men's not the right word. What's the right word for that? The muscle. The muscle kind of works. Okay, maybe that does work. He's on the dude's rug that really tied the room together, and it literally just snowballs from there. Also, the story of his car throughout all of this, just constantly getting more and more battered and destroyed throughout the movie, was like a story in itself. The car that the dude owns, that story, that evolution was amazing because it was literally like an old crappy car. But then it was run into a light post and then it's beaten with a tire iron by an angry neighbor and it's lit on fire by the nihilists at the end. And I just felt bad for the dude because I'm like, how how is he going to like, how does this end for him? Or even with the fact that Walter was making a lot of these situations worse for him, you could tell that the characters cared about each other, which I think would be really hard to do, especially in a movie that has more levity. There was a good mix of stuff that was happening. None of it felt gratuitous. None of it felt out of place. One thing that, okay, this, I was right. This is a stoner movie. And they had two sequences in which the dude was taking drugs or had been drugged. And there were like drug sequences of what would happen if you were in a dream state or in a drug state. And I mean, I could have done without that kind of stuff, but I wasn't so mad at it because Story-wise, it was because he was taking drugs. As long as there's a reason, I feel like, okay, I can get past that. Those are more just kind of like creatively driven scenes that they threw in there for, I feel like, the stoner purposes, which, I mean, doesn't really speak to me. This movie is from 1998, and I won't lie. I think the late 90s had some excellent movies. I don't think that this one was like, oh my god, cream of the crop. I liked it. Big Lebowski, I liked it. Um, but there are some movies from the late 90s that I absolutely adore, like Breakdown and Event Horizon. Those are not going to win awards anytime soon or probably back when. But I feel like movies from 97 to 98, maybe even some in 99, maybe less so. That's when the stuff was starting to shift. But 97 to 98, I think was kind of a sweet spot for movies. I don't know. Does anyone else feel that way? Please let me know. So overall, hey, I liked The Big Lebowski. I'm glad you all made me watch this, so thank you. It was an interesting story. I was interested the whole time. I liked the characters. I liked that it wasn't so serious, that it was a casual crime movie. And it honestly was a palate cleanser after watching Pulp Fiction. So I will give it 8 out of 10 rugs that tie the room together. I think people should give this a watch. I'm not still a huge fan of the Coen brothers, but this is one of the better ones that I've seen. I liked it. Maybe there was just enough stuff going on in this that held my interest and I cared about the characters. I was invested emotionally in what happened to the dude, Walter and Donnie, and it was fun. It was like a fun movie. So there you have it. There's The Big Lebowski. Let me know what you thought about The Big Lebowski. What was something that stuck out to you in it or something that you really enjoyed or didn't enjoy? Dun, dun, dun. Tweet at me on Twitter at Play. 
Come tell me your opinions on my Twitch stream at Katie Peters Plays, and I'm excited to catch you in the next episode. Have a good one, everybody. If you want to hang out with me more, or if you just want to yell at me for my thoughts on a specific movie, I stream over on Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash Plays. Also, feel free to follow and chat with me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Instagram at Plays. Music written and performed by Mark Can Do It. Katie Hasn't Seen That is a part of the Geek Generation Network. Until next time, keep your popcorn warm for me.